And the whole theory about the thing is that, okay, when you decide that you do want to get pregnant, um, you just go to your doctor and they can remove it. And so the theory is that these little plastic arms are supposed to fold down and, you know, fold down and come right up. So they have to remain flexible because, I mean, they they spread out like this to to keep it from falling out. But when you pull it, they're supposed to, you know, just you know, retract, just, just retract. Are up. they not doing that? No. So what, what's happening is that the, the plastic arms are becoming rigid over time and breaking. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So what happens is then these arms break and they can get stuck. They can perforate the uterus. Um, they can end up where they can't remove them and they're still in there. Prioritizing profit. Prioritizing Prioritizing Dangerous drug and product cases. Welcome back, everyone. Another episode of Prioritizing Profits, Dangerous Drug and Product Cases. Another week, another show. We're up to show number 19 now. So 19. next week will be the big, be the big 2-0. That's crazy. Flying through them. 19 weeks of shows. It doesn't feel like that long, but... Um, Sometimes it feels like longer. I don't know. I'm like, only 19? Yeah. <laughs> I feel like we've grown. I feel like this show has really developed over the last 19 weeks. Oh, yeah. Some changes, some improvements, some modifications. I'm always impressed, too, especially like very early on. We got around like 5 to 6K views on, on YouTube. And whenever I tell my friends, I mean, I, compared to like, because whenever people think of podcasts, they think of like Joe Rogan, millions <laughs> and millions, right? Well, that's just so absurd. Um, but especially for starting out, I mean, we started pretty strong and we've been staying pretty consistent. And I'd like to think it's because of the unique uh, topic and nature of the show. And the great personalities, of course. Fantastic personalities. <laughs> Top tier. You know, actually, when we were starting to do this, I was looking at some stats on podcasts. And there, I mean, I don't remember what the numbers are, but there's like so many out there. But then the vast majority of them have like one episode. I mean, they give up after one really? or like last, you know, last for, you know, a very short period of time. So I figure, you know, we'll, we'll certainly make it to 20. That's next week. Yeah. Well, <laughs> doing pretty good. when I thought of that too, is because there was like this whole phase where when podcasts first started getting big, Joe Rogan first started like really blowing up. Everyone wanted to start a podcast. Uh, but I think that people started it and they just wanted to start it with their friends and they would just like have conversations and just, they just thought that was kind of like enough contact content there. I was just joking around with some friends, which it's good. It's fun. You know, there's like that bad friends podcast. That's kind of what they do. Uh, But it's hard to maintain and it's hard to always have topics and it's hard to maintain interest too because you don't have that consistent kind of theme and and, and like I said, topics to keep people coming back and, you know, what they expect in the future shows. I mean, unless it's your friends and you just want to hear what's up with your friends. True, true. But then that's how you get, you know, four or five viewers. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, maybe other people have more friends, but... (laughs) But not us. <laughs> no, no. Unless unless Bruno and Bauer can throw on a headset, I think we're pretty limited. Oh well, well it's been fun. I'm enjoying it. So, so uh, how was your last week? How's how's the last seven days been? Good, good. Actually, um, relatively quiet. Although we went to a concert last night, so that was kind of fun. We went to see Chicago in concert. Chicago in concert. Is that a um... Is that, is that newer people, older people? That's Would my generation know it? Well, I thought not. In fact, as we were going into the concert venue, I, Peter and I looked around. We were like, we might be the youngest people here. But not- <laughs> <laughs> I guess that answers my question. <laughs> but then actually we got in there and there were some other people. Um, you know, I actually, so Chicago, and I don't know, you know, it's like the famous songs are like Saturday in the Park. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I love that one. 
Are you serious? Are you making fun of me? All right, damn it. Whatever. Well, anyway, you'll have to. I'll, I'll play you some songs. You probably would recognize some of them, but they were very popular, like in the '70s. And so it was the very first concert that I ever went to in my life. And I wow. think I was like maybe 13 or something, wow. and my mother took me. And um, I, and I, I thought it was like super cool that I was at a concert. And it was at this place um, in Maryland called Meriwether Post, Post Pavilion. So it was a big outdoor venue, and people would come, and they would picnic and sit out on the lawn and everything. Anyway, it was very, <clears throat> very exciting and very memorable um, uh, experience for me. And, and it's always on my mind because I don't <laughs> – not always on my mind, but, um, you know, when you have like security questions on various accounts, oftentimes one of them is what was your first concert? So I guess people remember what their first concert was. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess you kind of gave away your (laughs) security question. Well, there's usually three. So you'll have to be able to, anybody who wants to use that against me, anybody who wants to hack me and use that, will have to know two of the others too. So that's fair to that. Yeah. But anyway, so it was, that was really exciting that, um, you know, so some, it's very memorable for me. And then the other memorable thing about Chicago concerts is that, um, in 2020, they were playing in, in uh, Las Vegas. And I was like, I haven't seen Chicago in 40, 30 years. I don't know. And it was like, so I convinced Peter that we wanted to fly to Vegas just to see Chicago in concert, got great seats, got it all scheduled and everything. And it, and it was around like March 16th. Mm. Yeah. And so, and it, you know, everything was just heating up and are we going to get locked down? No, that's impossible. That could never happen. And then um, some things were getting canceled, but other things weren't. And we kept looking and looking. We're like, well, it's not canceled. It's not canceled. The flights are still going. And then we were like, well, shit, if it's not canceled, we're going to go. I mean, yeah. we have these great tickets. So we flew to Vegas. And of course, I posted on Facebook and people are like, what the heck are you doing? Why are you traveling? Yeah. crazy scum of the earth. How could you? Oh, yeah. Well, anyway. <laughs> And it was it was odd. In fact, we stayed at the Bellagio, and I remember we were had like dinner before we went to the concert, and it was just it was the quietest I've ever seen Las Vegas. And I don't remember the day of the week. It was probably not a Friday or Saturday. Well, it might have been though, because if Peter was off work, maybe it was a weekend night. Anyway, I mean, it was just really strange because it was not packed, and people were kind of a little hesitant. Um, everybody just kind of wondering what was going to happen. Um, but the concert was great, and we flew back the next day, and like literally within days, everything was just done, down, shut. Wow. Yeah. So it was kind of, I guess, our last hurrah for the lockdown. Yeah. So so Chicago holds a, a place in my heart for a variety of reasons. It's Security questions, first concert, yeah. last pre-lockdown concert. Pretty deep meaning across yeah, the board there. Yeah, yeah. I, I always think it's interesting, too, with a lot of these older bands, and maybe I'm wrong here, but I feel like whenever I hear the name, I always think to myself, like, how is that How is that a name? That doesn't make sense to me. Like, for, I went to a concert. Oh, a band, Chicago and Concert. What, is, what does that even mean? Chicago and Concert? No, Chicago in Concert. Chicago. So the band's name is Chicago the, the, and Concert. The, no, the band's name is just Chicago. Oh. You definitely don't know them, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> well, the way you said it, it was like, oh, I went to a concert. Oh, what concert? Chicago and Concert. Okay, I don't know if I said that. Anyway, I went to Chicago <laughs> <laughs> to see Chicago. Yeah. And and what kind of what kind of music is it? Um, well, so it's like seventies. Um, well, although they were very popular in the eighties as well, and then they've continued. I don't even know how many albums they've had. I mean, ridiculous number. How, how old fact, are they? I mean, I well, feel like some of these bands. How do they? They even... said actually, I think they said they've been um, together for fifty four years. Uh, so they rolled them out on stage. 
All right. Well, there were th <laughs> three um, members who were founding members and then four who've been there for a really, really long time. So they're a little bit on the older side. Slightly, yeah. But, you know, I, I can relate to that. And and they still sounded amazing. I'm, and I'm always impressed with these bands, too, because these are bands that used to, you know, sell out huge stadiums. And now they're playing at rel relatively smaller venues. Um, I mean, it's still pretty big. I mean, yeah. it was at the um, uh, at TCC at the Music Hall. So, you know, that smaller, where yeah. they have, like, the operas and things like that. Anyway, um, and that appeared to be sold out. So, you know, I mean, again, it's not as many people because I guess a lot of a lot of their fans are dying off. I was about to say most of their fans have... Uh... Aren't aren't still here with us? Although, I mean, look at like the Rolling Stones. I mean, they're selling out stadiums still. Yeah, and... but that's a Rolling Stones. It's like comparing. Well, to they're like... also like eighty or so. Yeah, I, I mean that's I think, an age. I think thing. Mick Jagger is turning eighty now, or just turned eighty. That's crazy. Well, when you mentioned first concerts too, it makes me think of Alice Cooper. Ah, yes. Yeah, it was like it was a crazy concert, and I remember he hung himself on stage. And yeah, it was he does like a lot insane. of crazy stuff. Well, yeah. So, and that was a funny story too because. I wanted to take you to a concert, and you were, oh, gosh, you were even younger than that. You were maybe like... 11 or 12. Were you that old even? I mean, I had the bleach blonde long hair. Yeah. I actually have a picture of us at, at that concert in the living room. But it was, um, I, you know, I wanted to take you to a concert, and I thought it was... I wanted to take you to a concert that I thought would not be boring, because I thought, well, if it's just somebody singing, that's not going to be that exciting for yeah. a, and I a didn't younger like, boy. And I didn't like any, like, specific bands or artists back then. Yeah. I would just... I mean, both you and my dad had such different music tastes and a wide variety of them. Yeah. I mean, I'd go to school one day, listen to It's Rain and Men, and then the next day... <laughs> Listen to Alice Cooper, Another Day, Black Eyed Peas. I mean, it was a wide variety. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's probably true. That's probably, but it was a really fun concert. And, and we were in the front row. I remember that. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and I had you in an Alice Cooper t-shirt. Um, in fact, I, Alice Cooper's coming back to Tucson, too, in October, I just saw. So yeah. I will probably... And that's it wasn't my first concert, but I was a huge Alice Cooper fan, like starting probably in high school. Yeah. And I saw him in concert many places. Mm -hmm. um, and then I moved to Arizona where he lives. How cool is that? Well, I don't know why I have this vivid memory too, is because you were, we were in the front, like you said, and next to us, there was um, this person just going nuts, going nuts. And it was, it was a big person. Uh -huh. And, you know, I was a tiny little boy and I was like thinking I was going to get trampled over or whatever. And that person like turns to me and says something. And like, oh, are you having a good time, blah, 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 and talks to us for a second. And <laughs> I don't know, this, this, I mean, this is mean. Actually, we're just, I'm not going to go into I don't it. even remember this. It was, she, it, I think it was a she turns to us, and she's, like, asking us how it was a good time or whatever. And you're, I, I think I was, like, or but one of us, like, is that a man or a woman? I don't remember. Because she was just, it was just, I think it was a she, but she had, like, hair, just, just a very hairy woman, very on set the short hair you like couldn't really tell uh but it was just a wide variety unique well, it's dark crowd. and crazy who yeah. knows but yeah well see i mean now now if anybody's hacking us and looking for security questions they now know both of our first concerts <laughs> very true well, i don't use that one because i mean that's maybe a good one i guess i do remember that very yeah you do but, yeah um good well it sounds like a good weekend and that was in tucson well actually that was last night in Tucson. Yeah, yeah, it was in okay. Tucson. So we didn't have to fly to Vegas this time and yeah. risk life and limb and COVID. So. It's always crazy to me, too, that uh, there's so many people that come to Tucson for concerts. Yeah. Well, and I don't remember Chicago ever being here, which is why we flew our butts to, to yeah. you know, Vegas pre-COVID to see them. So I'm kind of excited that they did come. And, you know, and again, it's probably a sign also of, you know, they are getting older 
I guess, a little bit less popular. So they're going to maybe some of the smaller um, yeah. venues now. So well, I mean, but that's the thing is that even for like modern artists, rappers and bands and whatnot, a lot of people come to Tucson. I mean, Phoenix, of course, is a pretty big spot. But Tucson, uh, I know like Little Peep came here. Mac Miller mm -hmm. came here. I mean, those are massive. Rolling Stones artists. didn't. Garth Brooks didn't. We had to go to Vegas. We had to go to Phoenix for those. Yeah, well, they, <laughs> <laughs> that's true. But they would probably sell out here. This is Tucson's a pretty big retirement yeah, home. City. <laughs> <laughs> They'd sell out, but I think our venues aren't big enough. Yeah, 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 true, true. Anyway, so how was your week? What's happening with you? Weekend's good. I uh, we got a Nintendo Switch, which is like a little mini console, and it's it's very easy to like bring around to places, you know, compared to the big Xbox or PlayStation, and they have all the classics: Mario, Mario Kart. Um, it's a good casual, just kind of gaming experience. Got into Pokemon. I haven't played Pokemon in like. 10 15 years or something like that wow. it's still kind of a, you know obviously it's a little bit of a childish game but it's very nostalgic and i've been playing the heck out of that it's been a lot of fun it's good it's good just like relax or like kind of party game you know you're, you're drinking a little bit and you don't you know you don't want to just sit there and listen to music the whole time or watch tv so you just throw up some mario kart everyone's down with mario kart everyone <laughs> knows how to play it. it's a universal thing so you, I mean, do you play with other people in the same room or is this one of these where you play online with people? Well, so you can, I mean, you can play online, I suppose, but a lot of time it's like there's bots, so like computers, NPCs uh, that just go around. Uh, but me and Christina, we got two oh, controllers, so we oh, go nice. against each other and it's a good little competition. She gets a little frustrated. Uh, I'm a natural at heart gamer. It's in my blood. <laughs> she but, doesn't have quite the experience. No, have. not at all. And she gets upset because I beat her every single time. Uh, but I just, you know, I got to break it down to her. Like, sorry, I have 25 years of experience. You're catching up. So. Uh, well, I, I, I have confidence in her. She will catch up. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. But overall, it was a good weekend. Um, drive down was solid. I look forward to the drive down. There was a, a massive dust storm coming down. Oh, actually, yeah, I, I, knew, I knew you were on the way, and it started getting really kind of crazy here, and then it just kind of puttered out. Yeah, it was so. insane because, like, you could see it out in the front, and you could tell it was kind of close because you can see it moving. Um, and as soon as you, like, start going to the dust storm, visibility starts getting less and less, and there's a bridge a little bit in front, and it just went completely out of view. I couldn't see anything except for the taillights right Yikes. in front of me, but it was only for, like, two minutes. And then you got through it, and then it went into a huge rainstorm oh. for like two minutes, and then everything cleared up, and it was fine. Clear skies. Hmm. Maybe it's coming this way. I don't know. Maybe, maybe. But uh, let's get into it. Let's All get right. into it. We can start with uh, up updates on updates cases. Updates on cases. Okay. So we talked. Um, uh, actually, we talk a lot of <laughs> on a lot of these episodes about the talc and what's happening now. Um, and I think we talked the last time that the second uh, the second bankruptcy had been dismissed. They still said no. We're not buying this whole thing. You're not financially in distress. Blah blah blah. blah. And, and a quick overview. I, I know sometimes. Sometimes I'll get a little lost because we talk about so many different medications and so many different cases. Talc is the talc powder a lot of people are using on their chest and inhaling it, and it was causing a variety of different issues. Yeah, well, actually, the classic one really is women who used it in their genital mm -hmm. area were getting um, uh, ovarian cancer, yeah. but 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 men would use it on their chests and could inhale it and um, could and actually could come down with mesothelioma and other yeah. lung issues. So so yeah, and this is the Johnson and Johnson's baby powder, yeah. baby powder. Which 
talcum powder, shower to shower, the products. Um, they are no longer selling them. Um, and they are still arguing and screaming and yelling and crying that their products are perfectly safe and that they do not cause cancer. Um, but their juries have disagreed with them, and there have been multiple really significant multi-million dollar verdicts. Um, and so as a result, they attempted to file bankruptcy in a uh, very deceptive and <laughs> deceptive way by basically creating a subsidiary called LTL and giving that subsidiary of Johnson & Johnson all of the obligations um, and all of the, the, the lawsuits, basically, yeah. um, all of the liability for those products. <clears throat> and the first time the judge said, no, uh, we don't, um, it's not okay. You, it's called the Texas two-step. Um, that's not what the bank, bankruptcy code is for. Bankruptcy is for companies that are truly in financial distress. You're not, you don't get to do it. Hmm. So then they filed again, like immediately within Three hours. hours yeah, within hours. And they said, oh, okay, well now we're putting more money yeah. in. And it was a much higher number. I think it was $8.9 million um, so, or billion. Yeah, it's crazy. Just yeah, so it's right. a lot more money, um, but again, it's it wasn't sufficient to cover the li the liabilities. It's why they were doing it, and it's not they, they still aren't in financial distress. Yeah. So that got kicked out again, and a part of the what the plaintiffs had asked was asked the judge to prohibit them from refiling within six months, and that decision just came out. They said no, we're not going to prohibit them um, from refiling. So again, they probably will refile. However, um, in all likelihood, this is not something that they're going to ever going, they're going to get up, like, say, to the Supreme Court, because it's just not great facts. Yeah. So, um, so, so, so while they probably will appeal, um, or they, or they can, or they can, I think I'm saying appeal, they can file another, they can, another bankruptcy. We don't think that's going to be successful. And so what's happening right now are that all of these cases, there's just tons, you know, hundreds, thousands of cases out there, and many of them were in the process of getting worked up for trial, and that was all put on hold for years mm -hmm. um, while this is going on. And now all those cases are reactivated, discoveries happening, trials are going to start moving forward, um, really gearing up to see um, a lot more trials happening. So... And, and so is that the update there is that things are kind of kicking back up? Um, yeah, they're definitely kicking back up. Um, and in fact, uh, a lot of attorneys, uh, I have some cases um, in association with another law firm. And, um, and then there are also some of the plaintiff's lawyers are trying to uh, bring in other attorneys who are willing to jump in and try some of these cases. Yeah. And since I do have some time on my hands now, I am in... Uh, uh, throwing my hat in the ring for that. So hopefully I will be, you know, they need people who um, can hop on a plane and go where they're needed and start trying yeah. some of these cases. So okay. hopefully that will be something we'll be updating about. We'll be flexible in the moment. Um, and it's good that these are cases are picking back up because I know you mentioned as well as that one of the tactics for this uh, bankruptcy kind of appeal, the Texas two-step was to delay it. And I mean, yeah, it's a make big it, delay. Well, yeah. and like it's worked. I mean, for years, these cases have been sitting there Yeah. and, and people, you know, again, these, these are terminal illnesses. Um, people have died in the, during the pendency of this. I mean, one of, uh, one of the cases that I'm involved in, um, yeah, I mean, he passed away, you know, it's, well, it's probably been a couple of years now, but it was after his case was filed and it was moving along and, you know, now it's just been sitting there. And so, um, you know, his deposition was taken so that it can be played at court because he will not be 
present, obviously. And that that's happened in a lot of these cases. I mean, people, you know, these are terminal cancers. And so when you do a two, three year delay, um, the likelihood of the person being able to be present at trial is pretty, pretty minimal. And doesn't that hurt Johnson Johnson? Because, I mean, obviously, if someone has a disease or even terminally ill disease, it's not as serious as being dead. Right. And and so I would assume with there being a higher body count attached to their medication or um, product or whatever it is, and there being direct connections to that, wouldn't that look even worse for them? Well, I don't know how much worse things could sure. yeah. <laughs> things could look for them. But I mean, and especially, you know, knowing that these have been things have been dragged out. But but um, it is very juries want to see the person um, and they you know it's different giving money to the family who lost a person I mean that's very valid but you know having the person actually talk about it how it affected them and what their life has been like is just incredibly powerful and so that is one of the reasons why we take depositions um, to be able to preserve their testimony so that Mm -hmm. the jury does get to hear from that person and quite frankly I think that that can be very bad for Johnson and Johnson where or you know, even worse, <laughs> where, we're, you know, I mean, they're hearing somebody kind of speaking from the grave, right? Um, and, and you see yeah. this person and you know that now they're gone. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I think it's, 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 it's bad for them, but, um, you know, they're doing everything they can to try to get out of this or minimize their exposure. And, you know, that also goes to the fact that if this was resolved through bankruptcy, there aren't trials. Mm-hmm. It's basically a bankruptcy claim. You don't have testimony. You don't have yeah. juries. You don't have juries looking at people testifying who are no longer with us. So, yeah, it would be great if that this whole two-step thing would work for them, but I don't think it's going to. That makes sense. I didn't even think about that angle of it, of with, with the Texas two-step, is that there is no jury there's not a trial or anything like that right and and are these depositions when they're played for the jury is it video as yeah, well oh yeah okay. definitely yeah definitely. i was wondering because i always imagined i mean i guess it's kind of like compared to the a lot of the law shows or, or you know like the og oj case it's uh when they play things at courts like a tape recorder they play it and then everyone's just kind of like sitting there taking it and listening it yeah. but i imagine having the visual and especially with some of these diseases where you can you yeah. know, see a lot of the effects it's having on the victim uh, makes a big impact as well yeah yeah no definitely there are video um video depositions so, so that's a case we're handling um Speaking of cases that we're handling, what else? What else is on the docket? So, well, the topic for today are the Paragard IUD cases, and so the IUD is, of course, a form of birth control, mm-hmm. and it's actually a device that is placed in the uterus. And I actually brought a photo because I wasn't sure if you would know what this was. was no, or not. I. So I've heard of IUD. Um, I never really understood what it is, but I, I've also heard that it's something that you can like put into your, your arm. So actually that, that, that is more of the, um, hormonal. Uh, Okay. So that's kind of like a birth control bill that you can't forget to take. So that's the, you know, where they're implanting it under your skin and it's slowly releasing the hormones. That's what I, that's what I've heard. I I thought that I thought it was just different versions of IUD, but they're completely different. No. So an IUD actually, because what it stands for is intrauterine device. So if it's in your arm, it's not. (laughs) 
It's not intrauterine. It's not in your uterus, yeah. So IUD means intrauterine device, and there have been various ones over the years, um, but basically it's a device that's placed into the uterus that can be removed, so it can go for multiple years. Um, Some of them them have actually, uh, there are versions that had hormones also that were released, and those usually you could keep in for about five years. This this one has um, copper coils, and um, it can be left in place for like 10 years. So yeah, so it's a a good long time. Um, And basically the way that it works is that um, it's inserted and then these arms kind of pop out so that it doesn't fall out. And um, and so there's these copper coils and um, the copper coils, they they release small amounts of, of copper particles and this getting released into the you, you look so ill. Well, well, I mean, it's just I think anything in your body, right, is 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 it's a lot, right? And a lot, especially <laughs> a lot of the topics we talk about with the hernia mesh. Yes, and you're wincing. Yeah, these different uh, materials. But when you mentioned copper coils, like the uterine IUD aside, copper being in your body, I mean, that's something that it makes me wince because yeah. it's just like metals, metals. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't, it does not sound. And in the picture, it's just straight out. I mean, a fernial throw it up. It's not something that's like covered at all. Well, no, no, the copper needs to be out because that, that's what, what's happening is it's, it's causing this reaction in the uterus because there's this foreign object in there. Yeah. And so it, it's like a toxic inflammatory response and it makes the, 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 the uterus hostile to an egg being implanted. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So it's like meant to irritate it so it will... Prevent pregnancy, yes. So it basically prevents the sperm from reaching and fertilizing the egg. Um, And so so it sounds like an awful idea. I never thought this sounded like a good thing. Any any of them didn't sound good. It just sounds like you're, you're kind of like making things bad so it doesn't get worse. Worse being getting pregnant, if that's what not what you want. Yeah, but I mean, there there are many ways that you can avoid getting pregnant, and if and of course, there's like you know condoms, there's um, uh, diaphragms, things like that that yeah. basically are, are like a physical barrier that you remove, right? And so this is putting metals into your body that you know your body doesn't like, irritates it enough to just say, you know what, I don't want anything else in here. And the baby's not going to want to be there either. I'm like, oh no, this, this is not a good place. Uh, <laughs> no, we are copper, not, get me out of here. We're not doing this. Yeah. So anyway, but I, I you know, obviously you and I. I don't think this is a great idea at all, um, but but it, it has been uh, very successful in preventing pregnancies and a long term. Again, not something that you can forget to do. Yeah. Um, and you know, so so a lot of people have used this over the years. You can leave it in for up to ten years. And the whole theory about the thing is that okay, when you decide that you do want to get pregnant, um, you just go to your doctor and they can remove it. And so the theory is that these little plastic arms are supposed to fold down and you know fold down and come right up. So they have to remain yeah. flexible because, I mean, they, they spread out like this to to keep it from falling out. Yeah. But when you pull it, they're supposed to, you know, just, you know. Retract. Just, just retract. Are up. they not doing that? No. So what, what's happening is that the, the plastic arms are becoming rigid over time and breaking. Oh, my God. God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So what happens is then these arms break and they can get stuck. They can perforate the uterus. Um, they can end up where they can't remove them and they're still in there. Um, they, they, they can uh, migrate through the body. Um, yeah. So it's, and, and so what happens if it breaks either before or after or during the removal process, people can end up with infections. They can yeah. end up, you know, like per- organ perforations where they have to have surgeries, sometimes hysterectomies. So, people who did this temporarily and were hoping to then be able to have babies when it was removed, I mean, they're in there getting it removed, 
you know, many times that's the reason. And then they can actually, you know, their fertility can be affected. Um, so, um, this is a case that's been going on, um, actually for quite a while has been a a multi-district litigation. Um, there's over 1,700 cases that have been filed, um, but over 3,000 complaints to the FDA about this thing. Wow. And again, most people don't complain to the FDA. So whenever you see that there's complaints, you know, and it can be physicians or patients. Um, and again, most pa- most physicians don't take the time to do that yeah. either. So you know that there are many, many more um, yeah. issues. And those that. are probably like the really, really bad ones. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's yeah. There are multiples uh, of of times of those. So and and the first trial is coming up. That's going to be in in uh, March of next year, March of 2024. So this cases moving along. Um, it is something that um, we are still taking cases and um, it, well, I can actually probably just go through, you know, basically the, uh, to, to have a valid case, you basically have to have the Paragard IUD and uh, had to have a fracture of the IUD either before or during <clears throat> the removal yeah. and then some, some damages and the damages could be perforation of the uterus, cerf- cervical perforation, migration. Uh, pieces left inside causing inflammation or allergic reaction, infertility, infection, chronic pain. Yeah. Um, yeah. So those cases, again, they are still going on, um, and we're happy to talk to anybody if they feel like they might have a... And, and I mean, already with, like, the copper being out was is something that I think is just it's a crazy idea. But um, <laughs> with the... I don't even know what to call them. Like the what, what, the what? arms. Oh, the arms. Yeah, the yeah. arms. So they're plastic. They're plastic. They're plastic. So and and when they break or they perforate, like you said, um, is it because when I imagine it's like when I break a, a plastic coat hanger, right? And there's kind of shards. Shards fly everywhere. Well, exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's it's so it's plastic that's supposed to stay soft and flexible and movable, but yeah. when it gets hard and yeah. and you know it's stiff like that, and then it breaks, it like, like it can shatter. It shatters. That's what we're saying. So yeah. there's very sharp pieces and God. potentially multiple pieces. That's awful. And then it's stuck up in there. Yeah. You know, and this is supposed to be this little minor easy procedure at the office. They pull on the string, it slides right out, and and then they pull, and it's just chaos havoc yeah sometimes that's awful that's terrible and i i mean i think especially with stuff like this where um you know there's certain like with the eyeballs with when we had the the eye drops drops, and you know there's certain body parts that when you have problems there it's just like god that's that's a tough one that's a hard one you know you break a finger you mess up your hand it's like oh that sucks but there's certain areas where it's like this this is a vulnerable spot yeah yeah well this is one of them yeah i mean and we've been involved in in iud cases in the past and we were um, involved in like the marina litigation um i mean in these there are problems with with a variety of these these things um and in those um the cases would actually the, the um uh, IUD would actually perforate the uterus and it'd be floating around in the abdominal cavity. There were cases where they ended oh up like in some in people's hearts. Jeez. I mean, now you just have the and and that was one that was uh, uh, had had hormones too that were being released and these things. Well, it, well, first of all, it's obviously not doing its job when it's not even in your uterus anymore. <laughs> it's in your fucking heart. Yeah, something might be wrong here, guys. <laughs> well, they Jesus would like find these Christ. on X-rays. They saw it X-rays and it was just like, oh my god, that's crazy. How does it even get that high up there without? I mean, just well, it's just floating around in your body then. You but know, that's the so. thing is like when I imagine the human body, it's not like there's that much extra room hanging around that you can just float around and and go through as you please without <laughs> causing mayhem. Like I always imagine organs being pretty compact, everything's together, everything's where it needs to be. There's not too much extra space. But the fact that something like that can break off and just end up on the other side of the body, yeah. Although insane. I mean, but things move around more than you would think, and it was actually that's one of the issues that that resulted in all the problems with the transvaginal mesh because 
yeah. you think about it in that area, I mean, you get, you, you know, you're eating, you get bloated. Um, I mean, there's just, there's a lot of like movement, you know, and, and so that's why these things, when they tightened up, I mean, the scar, you know, there was just, there was a lot of movement. I mean, sex, there's all kinds yeah. of things that are happening down there that can move things around. Um, yeah. And so these things can, can potentially migrate around. And it's good that that's coming out because, I mean, I think that's something that's terrifying where even like the hernia mesh where you know that there there are possible issues and as scary as it is that you might have these issues, if you're not, it's good to find out about it and know about it so you might be able to take some type of preventative actions or at least be aware of it compared to just kind of, you know, being oblivious, coming in and yeah. wanting to get this removed or with the hernia mesh going to get a hernia surgery and just doing whatever, whatever you got to do and then obviously things go bad. Yeah, yeah. Well, and and again, with any any product that you're thinking about having implanted into your body, you want to do as much research as you can about what yeah. problems um, people have had, if there are are issues. And again, a lot of times these things aren't recalled for many many years or, or ever, um, and they they still continue to be sold. Um, but you know, you want to find out if people have had problems. You know, what kind of complaints there have been to the uh, FDA if there are pending lawsuits, yeah. so that you can make an informed decision about um, you know if you want to use that product, maybe a similar product or maybe a different form of birth control in this in this situation. Yeah, I mean I wish there was I'm sure maybe there's versions of it but some some mainstream birth control for men. You know, I feel like this is always a conversation that comes up eventually is like, you know, why is it the woman's responsibility to take birth control and then like, well, would men do it if they had the option? And I think, yeah, why not, you know? Well, I think it probably depends on what they've been always I mean, they've been talking about having a male pill and I thought I heard something recently about that. But again, yeah. so that's going to be I mean, are men going to be willing to, to you know, take something that's, you know, completely affecting their hormones, yeah. potentially, I mean, you know, all of the things that, that you guys have expected women to do for all of these years, are you guys willing to do it? And, and a lot of men take steroids and various other... Which can be birth control as well, can it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, it's messing unintended, up, unintended. It's messing it up mess your up hormones your... a lot more, if yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah, Well, I mean, you know, so maybe if they were saying, well, they'll also look really good. Oh, if you, yeah. If you are add you that, they'll probably sign up right and Sign me up for double dosage. <laughs> <laughs> I look really great and I can't get anybody pregnant. Yeah, so... With these cases, if, if you have this device, I'm assuming, or if you've ever had any issues, reach out to attorney, obviously. But is there any, um, I mean, what do you do, right? You have this device installed. Do you go to the doctor and, and get it replaced right away? Is it something you need to go in and start getting x-rays to see if it's already broken up and you haven't realized it? Well, not necessarily. I mean, you're not going to, the problem doesn't happen when it's just sitting there. It happens upon removal. Okay. And so, and, and, and the doctor. That's even scarier. You don't even know if it's going to be a big problem until that moment. Right, right. But again, I mean, and, and, and of course, the, the only good cases are ones where you remove it within the 10 years. Sometimes people just forget about this. And so, so again, if you leave it in for 20 years um, and, and, and it breaks, then that's, you, it's not going to be a strong case. But I, you know, I personally um, would not, well, I wouldn't have wanted one to start with, but you know, it may be something, you know, if you're planning on removing it, don't wait till the, the absolute uh, yeah. long, you know, end Nine of the, end of the, the length of time, because I Obviously, this this uh, plastic is degrading over time, yeah. you know, and perhaps, you know, and again, this isn't the case now, but perhaps they will come out with a warning that, you know, okay, take it out after five years and, yeah. and perhaps that would lessen the incidence of, of the breakage. I don't know. And so is are there warnings about it where if it's like if you take this, if you wait too long, if you go past the 10 years, then it could break? Then well, I think there's, well, there's always warnings too that it could break, oh, but, right. okay. you know, and, and it could, but I mean, the, the incidence 
at which it's breaking, it, that the likelihood of it, I mean, that's yeah. over and above anything that has been warned about. Yeah. Wow. Okay. And you said this has been going on for a while. This is now a case that we're handling and, and we're accepting cases. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, we have been and, and many firms have been for, for a few years now. But the yeah, and, and of course, everything delayed by COVID, blah, 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 the yeah. story of our lives. Um, but uh, that the, the first trial is coming up. And um, so it should be in the news significantly more. And we'll see what happens. And I, and I think it's just so interesting too. cases like this, where it's this is, this is pretty bad. This is like a pretty big thing. And I know, uh, you know, birth control, IUDs, you know, everything along those lines, it's super common for women date oh, in this yeah, day and age. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's almost like an everyday thing. And so for there to be issues of this magnitude with a specific kind and have it not be something that's discussed or like well known is, is pretty crazy to me. Yeah. I mean, you know, and, and, when it, when somebody's discussing this with their doctor, uh, you know they're not going to. Well, I think doctors are becoming more aware, but oftentimes, you know, for a, a good period of time, they're like, "Oh, this is just the lawyers being crazy and blah blah." It's very safe, and the risks yeah. are small, um, but the risks are certainly more significant than the doctors are even aware of. Yeah. Um, and and it's just important that people really do. I mean, you know, some of these things are just so common that it's just like, "Oh, no big deal. We're going to put this in. It's a quick in-office procedure." Blah blah. Yeah. Um, I don't know how much detail they are going into about um, about the risks, but um, but this one, you know, is certainly more significant than most people are aware of. Hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, it's it's the risks of it sound sound massive. I can't even imagine having something like that, and it's scarier too. Where you know, a lot of these things with the hernia mesh, I mean, obviously things can get bad quickly, but, you know, maybe you start having these signs, right? You start having discomfort, some some poking pain, or, you know, you get an x-ray and see that there's something coming out. But with something like this, where you really have no idea until you take it out, and it's happening before the 10 years and, and mm -hmm. early on, yeah. uh, I mean, that's that's terrifying. And knowing of it and being like, okay, I want to get this removed, but holy shit, I'm, a, I'm terrified. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, people are going to be much more scared at this whole process than they used to be thinking yeah oh, no big deal pull a string everything's good now they're like pull a string is it all there are the pieces all there oh, yeah you know i know i can't even imagine in the office too like you said it's just an in-office procedure so when that happens i mean i'm sure the doctor's not expecting anything like that a lot of them haven't experienced that and so they're just holy shit what's going on what do i do i'm assuming call the ambulance you know like something you know, you guys got to figure out what's going on. Well, I mean, and it may not be an ambulance scenario either. I mean, it comes it comes out, there are pieces. It depends on you know, exactly where it breaks and where it gets stuck. They bring it out and there's just one there's whole half piece. missing. Well, it's yeah, like, then they know Jesus it's in there. And then the Christ. question is, where is it? And perhaps they're going to have to do an x-ray and How many pieces it, it is, yeah. God. Yeah. That's a lot. Yeah, and then and then they would be sent to determine if it's, if it's, if if surgery would be necessary to take it out and where it is if it's causing if it's going to cause long term problems or not. Yeah. So well, we'll put in information about that specific IUD. So if you do have one, definitely make sure it's uh, not that one. And if it is, <laughs> uh, probably recommend getting that taken out sooner rather than later because the risks are even if you don't even if you take it out before the ten years, there's still a chance. Right, right. And of course, we can't give medical no, advice no, yeah, or anything yeah. like that. I mean, you know, Dr. Ben would recommend, however, he's... Yeah, in my <laughs> non-professional opinion, I couldn't imagine something like this. But so. I would certainly talk to my doctor and say, hey, this is a concern that I have, and have you are you familiar with this? And mm -hmm. so, you know, because again, you might not... You, the doctor might have put it in five years ago, and he knows about it now, or he or she knows about it now, but they didn't at the time. Yeah. 
Um, so. so it's crazy something like this isn't in the news. But speaking of cases in the news. Speaking of cases, there always are. There always, always are, are cases in the news. Yeah. Yeah. So um, actually, this was like breaking big news that just came out yesterday um, because of the number. Um, a And this involves a bunk bed manufacturer who was hit with a $787 million verdict over the death of a toddler. Wow. Yeah, but there's a lot of factors that go into this. Yeah. Um, and it's a, a crazy, horrifying situation, and it involves um, these bunk beds. Um, and the, the actual death happened in 2018, and it was a two-year-old. And I'll show you a picture of the bunk beds. God. Because basically what happened is it's the ladder, and where the ladder hooks up to the upper bunk, um, the spacing is just enough that a child can get trapped in there and asphyxiate which is what happens so this is kind of the where how, it's getting where I don't, i'm up in, okay so up in here yeah so there's the steps and then because it's hooked in here there's a very it's a small oh, space so so between there's like this wooden bar and and maybe fern can throw so a circle yeah well we're, i sent these to him here so he can put these up so these are actually the steps of the ladder yeah but the way that it so does his feet up. fall through and then he's kind of squished between the bed and that right frame. he falls through in here uh -huh. and then he's trapped and is a oh, God. I, I i mean that's that's awful but what i imagined when you mentioned bunk bed was have you you know stepbrothers a stepbrothers theme where they make or scene where they make the homemade bunk bed Oh, I love that movie, but I can't remember. The so they make scene. the homemade bunk bed and because they move in together and mm -hmm. they just get a bunch of wooden planks and they make it. And then um, Will Ferrell's on the, on the bottom and the other guy's on top and the bunk bed breaks <laughs> and it slams on top of him and he's just trapped and he's like screaming for help. And then the other guy runs to the parent is like, oh, God, something happened. <laughs> but I mean, it, it, that's like the gruesome. I was thinking that like something like that where it yeah. breaks and collapse on it. I mean, that's still terrible. But um, yeah, well, I mean, it's a horrible design defect. Um, and so what happened is the, um, well, the parents filed a lawsuit and we had talked a little bit within the context of the eye drops about how you could sue various people in that chain of commerce. Yeah. Um, and so they sued the seller, um, and ultimately back to the manufacturer, the seller was Wayfair. Um, and then they also sued a couple of the manufacturers involved, Angel Line and Longwood. Those, those three actually settled the case. Um, but the um, ultimate manufacturer of this product is a Vietnamese company and called Moash Enterprises. And so the interesting thing about this case is that, I mean, it's a huge, crazy verdict, but the likelihood of them getting, well, how we got to that is an issue. And then secondly, whether they'll ever collect on any yeah. of that. So, so it's this Vietnamese company and they, um, kept trying to serve them. And it's it's relatively complicated. I've had this come up in cases over the years. When you're trying to serve um, an, an, an international company, yeah. um, a company, a country, company in another country, um, you have to go through, there's there's a, something called the Hague Convention, which are the, it has uh, provisions for suing these companies. Mm -hmm. um, but And I've had this happen too. Actually, I had this happen in a, in a case with, with some um, patio furniture. Anyway, um, they just ignored it and they didn't respond. And wow. so, yeah, so, so when a company doesn't ever respond and file an answer and defend itself, then you can get what's called a default judgment. And so basically the, the court says, you know, if you don't come in and defend yourself, bam, you're guilty, you're liable. Wow. Yeah. And so that's what happened. And so it was, and again, another term we talked about recently, bifurcated. So, so there's, a default, there's a default hearing where they say, all right, um, yes, 
they are responsible because they didn't they didn't come in and say they weren't. Uh-huh. And so we everything you say in your complaint, yes, they are responsible. They're on the hook. Then they have a trial with a jury to determine the amount of the damages. Uh-huh. And so this was that second part where they had a jury listen to the whole situation, um, hear about what happened to this child, the family, the brothers were in the room, watched him die. Um, and so then they, are, they, they were tasked with coming up with the amounts that they should award. And you don't have the company in there. You don't have somebody arguing about any of it, trying yeah. to decrease it. So basically you only hear from the one side. And I'm not saying that it's, I mean, that, that, that it's unreasonable. I'm just saying that, that, that the reason, you know, that, I mean, there was nobody fighting it. Yeah, obviously, I mean, with, with, with cases in general, someone tries to push their side of the case as, mm-hmm. as much as they can, right? They make things say, um, they, the, the prosecution will, will put out the facts and, and it's a terrible situation, but then the defense tries to downplay it as much as, as they can. And then the jury usually finds something a little bit in the middle, but right, when right. you don't have the defense trying to, you know, downplay it as much as possible and, you know, put the blame in different areas. Exactly. Then, try to blame the parents, try yeah. to blame this and that, say that the thing was not used as it intended or something. You know, there's, there's a gazillion things that they could try to say, but none of that, you know, yeah. they, and when you don't show up, that's what happens. You don't get to tell your side of the story. Um, and so the jury um, awarded, uh, so it was $787 million, and that was broken down into $175 million in compensatory damages for the estate's survival claim. Um, and that's that's the claim for what the suffering that the child went through until he died, um, and then $90 million for the wrongful death. So that's for, you know, how the family is affected and uh, all of that. Um, and then $522 million in punitive damages. Jesus. Yeah. And of course, punitive damages, again, those are not so much related to the value of the injuries as to uh, punishing, yeah. hence the name, hence the term punitive, but punishing the company for wrongdoing. And so this company had not complied with, um, with, with, with the United States safety standards, um, and they had apparently been aware of issues and continued to sell these beds. So yeah, they, the, the jury wanted to really slam them and punish them. Well, how does that even how does it even hit the market if they're not re- going by the regulation in, in, in the country? I mean, they're just bat- bypassing. Well, they're shipping shipping it in, shipping it to the sellers. Um, nobody's you know, there's nobody who's like looking at specific things and trying to determine that. I mean, yeah, it's, yeah. And so so um, it, it gets here, um, and until there's problems and complaints. You know, it's not, it's not knowledge. There's not common knowledge. Had there been uh, complaints before this up until this point? Um, I'm not sure. They, they indicated that there were problems. I don't know if there were actually other deaths, um, but definitely they had not uh, followed any of the standards that would have prevented that, you know, within the United States uh, requirements. Well, and, and so the amount was $787 million. $787 million. And I mean, that's, that's a, lot of money. I mean, I know obviously this case is terrible, but there's been a lot of awful deaths yeah. from from different products and and, and uh, drugs. But 787 for a singular death that that's quite a bit, isn't it? It is. It's it, it's a huge amount. And so obviously the jury was very angry. And again, there was it was there was nobody on the other side yeah. to argue against it. Um, but the other issue is that a lot of times these cases and and the other uh, participants in this, the one the seller and all. Um, had did settle out. So normally, um, 
in this kind of situation, if they were negotiating, there was a good chance that there would have been a settlement. Um, but then you, you get a verdict like this, and then the question is, how is it going to get paid? First of all, does this Vietnamese company have anywhere near that much money? And secondly, how are you going to get it from them in Vietnam? Yeah. And and again, that's there's attorneys who deal specifically with that international collections. And so um, we'll see what happens. But my guess is that it's going to be very difficult to collect anything. Um, and the company probably isn't even worth that. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and what, what might happen, I mean, I, presumably they will be banned from um, selling products in the United States. Yeah. So I could see them wanting to um, settle in order to allow, be able to do that. But I mean, what if they just disband and create some other that's what I was thinking. That I mean, it, you know, I, I mean, I, it's sad. I, I think that, that it was a it was a good message that was sent, but um, I'm skeptical that the family is ever going to see any of that. And that's what happened with like a lot of the vapes when the F or uh, what is it, food FDA mm -hmm. FDA started really you know uh, cracking down on that and and the different manufacturers, Jewel, Puff, and all that. A lot of them, as soon as they started getting in trouble and they were getting banned, they would just break up and sell the exact same product, sometimes with the exact same logo, and just change the name right under it. And I mean, it, and then and then you know you got to go through the same steps again and pursuing them. But with cases like this, where it's in a different country already, they were ignoring the. Um, what's it called the cease the safety and standards safety. oh or like the, the cease and desist or where they oh well were they the summons and the complaints yeah. so they didn't respond yeah yeah, yeah. And so what's stopping them from doing that exact same thing with this payment where they just like I don't you know I'm, I don't I didn't see this I'm not gonna oh well they're not gonna yeah I mean and and, and if they don't have assets in the United States there's nothing to seize yeah. I mean like I said the likelihood that they're gonna be able to collect anything from them is 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 pretty low but I mean it's not my area of specialty and like I said it's some international collections I'm sure they're gonna to do everything they can to try to get what they can from them but i mean of course you know people getting all excited oh they're going to get that much money that's not no, not likely yeah. not likely i mean even even if they were available like you said i doubt their company's even worth that much i mean that's right. a lot of money yeah. and especially for a, not johnson and johnson exactly for a company <laughs> that's across seas and you know not pharmaceutical they're making bunk beds and i'm sure they're making good profit margins there but 787 million that's a big chunk of money yeah that's Crazy, crazy a lot of money. But they, so. the family did still get settlement uh, funds from the other. They did, and that's not, the, the amount is not disclosed, but they still wanted to pursue this. And, and I think it's, you know, it's a good thing also because um, by getting this out in the news, and it was big news, it's like headline news, um, people are aware of this. And this product, these bunk beds were recalled back in 2021. But again, if you don't know about it and you still have this bank, bunk bed in your home, you need yeah. to get rid of it um, or get rid of that, that that ladder for sure. So um, so again, it brings it back into the news so that people are aware of it. And if they see that picture and go, oh my gosh, mm -hmm. you know, that's something because, you know, as we've talked about ad nauseum at this point, um, just because there's a recall, people don't know, yeah. you know, and they're still using these products. And then, then it gets sold in, you know, resale places and all of that. And Yeah. And, and it's, I, I don't really get to, I mean, I understand what you're saying with how exactly this happened, but I mean, that space must have been really big because I had a bunk bed back in the day, but even at the top, you know, the ladder went up and where the bed sat, there was wooden panels, you know, maybe there were some small spaces in between the panels, but nothing for even a toddler to fit through when there was no mattress. And especially if there's a mattress there, there's no way that there was any way to get stuck in between it or anything like yeah, that. Well, and that's how they should be designed, Yeah, you know, again, because toddlers... 
will wedge themselves into places and Gosh. they're not good at, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, there's, you know, very strict design standards just for that reason. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's wild. And I mean, it makes sense that it's kind of getting f uh, headline news because obviously how gruesome it is with a two-year-old yeah. and as well as the high settlement, $787 million. Um, yeah. But, you know, hopefully they're able to pursue that or, uh, I mean, even is there any criminal action that can be taken? You know, extradition for bringing people from across the across, across the world over here for for paying for that or anything? I mean, is it just this is a company? There's no individuals that you can put any of the blame on. There's no one that you can say like, oh, your company did this, so you're responsible. Even if they obviously don't have seven hundred eighty-seven, but <laughs> hey, bankrupting them in Vietnam would that's something. Well, you know, I, without knowing the details. And of course, we have no details because they didn't appear and defend themselves. Yeah. So there was no discovery, no getting into the documents to see what people knew about. I mean, if there was some crazy thing where they were like, ooh, let's design this so we can kill kids. <laughs> well, I'm just saying, I mean, there was crazy. Well, yeah, that would be what needed to happen in order for It would for have to be something like extreme. Maybe yeah. not quite that extreme. But again, we don't know any of that information because they didn't ever even show up. Yeah. And so they didn't provide any information, any, any discovery, any of their internal documents, emails, designs. Yeah. Any of that stuff that was just and, and so of course the jury could assume the worst there um, You know, they didn't defend themselves with it and they also didn't hang themselves with it And how so. often does that happen where there's something that happens uh, some defect product issue? Um, with a Manufacturer from across the world different country international whatever it is, you know how, how often does that happen and I feel like there's just it's very hard to hold accountability It is it is yeah, I had a case it well, and, and, and there are certain circumstances where basically You you do your research and it's like we're never going to collect anything from this manufacturer yeah. and so then you perhaps do try to go after the seller yeah, um, and there are theories against the seller on certain things and perhaps the seller, you know should have examine the product any product that they were selling and promoting more carefully to ensure that that they they ensured that it was you know compliant with with United States safety standards so uh, there have been cases where I've looked at them and we're like okay we're not going to get this company wherever it is Taiwan a lot of stuff in Taiwan and China uh -huh. um, you know and so are, are there is there another defendant where we actually can collect from yeah um, yeah I mean that's that is a common problem and so many of our products are made overseas these days that that's you know it, yeah. it, one of the reasons people are always ranting about buy American well this is another good reason because if you have to sue them you can find <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that's where the question comes from is, you know, China. China is a big manufacturer these days. They're doing like, what is it, like 60% of the world exports, some insane percentage like that. And I mean, I would imagine with that many manufacturers there, the amount of issues that come up, it's so hard to pursue them. It's so hard to... to do anything if anything happens. Yeah. I mean, and that's why the whole, the Hague Convention actually provides, you know, here's what you need to do in order to serve an overseas defendant. Um, but even if you serve them, um, getting, you know, they, they, and they just ignore you, uh, yeah, then there isn't anything for what you can do. It's like <laughs> someone's knocking on point. your door and you just, you look through the curtain. Oh, sorry. No one's home. <laughs> yeah. So that's terrible. Terrible, that's a terrible. Bad one. Bad one.
Um, well, hopefully, I mean, I doubt there's going to be any updates on that one going in the future. I mean, maybe there's some type of response from the from the company, but it's not. Well, or maybe just likely. information about you know what they what they were able to do as far as, far as tracking them down and any efforts to that end. Yeah. I mean, they're going to be a lot more interested in tracking them down with a with a actual judgment in hand as opposed to just getting them to respond and and defend themselves. Yeah. But um, but I'll be curious, so I'll keep an eye on that. Interesting, interesting. So, what else? Uh, what else has been going on in the news? Well, I'll tell you what's always in the news <laughs> is the Ozempic and Wagovi drama. Wagovi. <laughs> okay. Well, well, Ozempic, of course, you know the Ozempic. Yeah. Right. The for type two diabetes that has this great side effect of losing weight. So Miracle weightless weight loss. Job, yes. Drug. The uh, celebrity weight loss. Um, and so, and Wagovi is made by the same manufacturer, but that's the one that's actually intended for weight loss. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so the I just think the whole thing is interesting, so I kind of follow on uh, follow up on it. And um, what's in the news this week about it is that um, Novo Nordisk, which is the manufacturer of both of these products, is really pushing hard to get um, to to overturn the uh, the law against. So actually, it's a regulation. So. Medicare will not pay for weight loss drugs. Yeah. Okay. And this happened ways back, back when the FinFin thing, you know, was, was going crazy. Anyway, Medicare will not cover it. So it's people can only buy it. If they're on Medicare, they can only buy it if it's out of pocket. And so they're really pushing and they're supporting various groups, minority groups actually is the kind of the interest of this, um, um, to, to giving them money to help them push to get uh, the, those restrictions lifted so that Medicare will pay for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Medicare only pays, is only, only people who are over 65 are eligible for Medicare. However, if Medicare pays for something, then a lot of times the private insurers will start covering it. So this is big bucks for them. If yeah. they can get um, this to be co- covered by insurance, um, and then including Medicare, their uh, clientele will just skyrocket. Yeah. I mean, because people want to do this, yeah. but at $1,200 a month, they can't pay out of pocket for it. And yeah. so that's really, that's why it's the celebrity drug right now. Only the celebrities um, or very well-to-do people are able to afford afford it. Um, and so they've actually been pitching some groups um specifically some influential black Americans, um, because they are saying that it's um, a, a, a particular issue for black people because um, of because apparently uh, uh, obesity is at, at about 50% in the black community, mm-hmm. which is highest in, in the various racial communities. What does that compare to, to other races? Um, I think that, they, well, in general, they say 30% of the overall population. I mean, that's just either, both numbers are really high. Yeah. I mean, in the overall population, about 30% that's of us are, are, yeah. And then that's just in the States, right? Yes. Okay. Yes, because yes. I know, I mean, America's known for just being the McDonald's burger yeah. country of the world. Yeah. So, so they're really trying to, to pitch this. Um, and so they're, um, donating money to these various organizations. Um, and it just feels really icky to me. Um, I guess they've, uh, let me see, they've uh, also, they've donated to the Congressional Black Caucus Foundation, Asian Pacific American Institute for Congressional Studies, and the Hispanic Caucus. Yeah, I get why you feel icky about it. I mean, it feels like they're just kind of hopping on this equality bandwagon to push their agenda. 
well, it's totally to push their agenda, you that, know? That's it. Yeah. And then, I mean, it just seems, you know, and it just it kind of goes back to the whole J&J talc thing where, I mean, they were really pushing this toward, to the, the, the black community. I yeah. mean, that was the big, they, they really had pitched this, you know, to, to uh, the minority communities mm-hmm. and were just killing them off. I mean, yeah. it was horrible trying to convince them that they particularly needed this. Yeah. Um, and it just feels kind of like that again. Um, and it's all about big dollars. I mean, if you can get this stuff to be covered by insurance, yeah. I mean, we're talking maybe trillions, right? We're going to get into those numbers. Well, and it feels like something, um, you see it a lot with marketing and with a lot uh, of yeah. big brands where, you know, whenever there's a lot of these these racial issues that come up, they use it as an opportunity. And most recently, kind of with LGBTQ, transgender, they use it as an opportunity to push their product. And obviously, you know, I think it's, it's great standing with them and, and, and equality. A hundred percent, but I think the way that it's done a lot of the time, especially in marketing, is distasteful, and Mm -hmm. then the way that it's being done here is just straight up manipulative. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And one of the big advertisements that come to mind is, I don't know if you remember the Kylie Kylie Jenner Pepsi one. There's a massive riots going out. I think it was uh, around George Floyd when that was going mm, on. And yeah. there, so there was a lot of uh, protests going on. And there was a massive protest of all African-Americans. And then on the other side, it was a bunch of ro- police officers. Mm-hmm. And they're running at each other. And Kylie Jenner runs to the mid- middle and holds up a Pepsi can. Oh. And everyone's like... And then just starts like celebrating oh, and I get along. It got that's insane horrifying. blowback. It got it was I like all so. over the news. But I mean, that's just one example. It's still been done. Like Coke is the solution. Yeah. Like, uh, don't worry, guys. Yes, there's a lot of racial inequality going on in this country. A lot of people are just getting it bad. Just have a Coke and oh, you'll be good to man, go. Man, man, man. Uh, or yeah. just have some Ozempic or Wagovi and just... Ex- yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So so it's interesting that that idea is kind of being carried over here. And, and like I said, in a very manipulative way. Yeah, it just feels really icky. Um, but I mean, I'm not surprised that they're trying to get it covered by insurance, but it just seems like a very manipulative way to do that by trying to go, you know, go to certain um, groups and say, this is a particular problem um, in your community. And so you need need to go it's not yeah. us it's you who's yeah. saying we need this drug mm-hmm. um let us have this drug um you know through medicare and through our we're insurance. doing this for you guys yeah, sure maybe yeah. we make a few trillion off it but <laughs> i promise this is for you but it's really it's because we want to p- protect black people yeah right? yeah so anyway so that's the latest ickiness about Ozempic and Rigovi. um and yeah i mean and that's you know there's something in the news every week i'll just see yeah i mean i'm interested to see how that kind of plays out there and see if maybe that gets some um some attention on the news because I think that's kind of that's pretty pretty crazy to me. We are coming close to the hour here, uh, but I do want to touch on questions because I see we did get a, a pretty solid one. We have a juicy question, yes. Yeah. Um, and so it was I just watched um, the Painkiller series. Um, what happened to Richard Sackler? Did he go to jail? And it's funny because I saw the Painkiller advertisement uh-huh. on Netflix, and they just straight up like took this idea from um, what was it? Oh gosh, you recommended oh, this. Um, it was on Amazon Prime, I think. Yeah, it was. Medicated or. Uh... Oh, shoot, shoot, shoot. Oh, my gosh. I saw it and it was really good. Well, for anyone that's unsure, Painkiller is about pretty much how 
um, hydrocodone. Dope sick. Dope sick, yeah. Dope sick was the other series. It's how all of these different um, opiates, painkillers got onto the market, kind of the massive marketing push. Uh, a lot of the medical sales individuals going out there and, and kind of, you know, rubbing shoulders with these doctors, get grabbing their dry cleaning, ordering them flowers <laughs> and being like, hey, like, by the way, you should buy these painkillers. They're non-addictive being advertised as, as zero addiction and the FDA gave it like a special label that they really pushed um, and then that kind of led to this massive opiate addiction that our country is still facing. Well, that we're still suffering from. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's absolutely crazy. Um, and and I, actually, Peter and I just watched this last week also. Um, very well done. Matthew Broderick plays um, Richard Sackler and that's Sarah Jessup. Jessica Parker from Sex and the City, her husband. Mm. <laughs> That's how he, I, I know him. But he's actually a, a great actor on, in his own right. Um, but it was it was actually, it was very good. But it really, this one focused um, a lot on him specifically and, and the Sackler family, um, a little bit more so than the dope sick one did. Yeah. Um, but similar showing just how like these ordinary Americans who, um, I mean, the, one of the storylines was this um, man who owned a tire shop and he was injured on the job, had a back injury, um, you know, you know, very upstanding family man, and then um, starts taking this medication, becomes addicted. And of course, the doctors are saying, you you, you know, it's not addictive, yeah. but they're upping it, upping it. Um, and then, you know, ultimately, he does become addicted. It just destroys his family and ultimately, you know, yeah. uh, spoiler alert, but ultimately kills him. Mm-hmm. And so that happened to, to many, many people. Um, but this one really focused uh, more on kind of what was happening within um, Purdue Pharma and, and Sacklers. And, um, and it, it wasn't really clear at the end what had happened to him. Um, but, uh, he's, he's 78 now, apparently. Um, and he, so, so what happened was ultimately the deal was that there was a $6 billion payout from the Sacklers. And they, um, and that was to protect them from any future lawsuits. So, and three billion of that came from the family's personal fortune, as opposed to yeah, being able to just dish out three, three billion, billion and still, still go to the grocery store the next day. Yeah, so a total of six billion dollars, um, and at least seven hundred and fifty million um, is is allocated to go to the victims of the the victims and the and their families. Seven hundred and fifty million. Yeah, which that's is not like, very. That's nothing for the opiate addiction. Yeah. Like this, this is addiction's been going on for. Right. I don't know how long now, uh, decades, and I mean hundreds of thousands of individuals, and especially families being affected. Yeah. Seven hundred fifty million is is not doesn't go very far. No, and it almost kind of feels a little bit like the Johnson and Johnson stuff, um, because even after they paid three mil- three billion out of their personal. Um, uh, holdings, they still are worth somewhere around $11 billion. Yeah. And so because of the way that this was, was worked out, um, basically the company was at fault, but they were protected. And so nobody's going to jail. Um, they're not criminally charged. And um, he is living happily in Boca Raton, Florida. Um, yeah. Apparently, slightly downsized his house, but um, yeah. So, so that's kind of that's the situation. But um, even 
you know, and, and, and some recent things have happened, too. <laughs> now that there's two shows about him, I'm sure some uh, more stuff's coming up. Well, well, no. So, so when this all happened, you know, Purdue Pharma fa- um, filed for bankruptcy. And so all of the, the individual cases, this was back in 2019, all of those individual cases then became bankruptcy claims, yeah. which we'd kind of talked about earlier. So, so there wouldn't be lawsuits, but they would actually um, be compensated um, uh, out of from by, through the trustee. Well, there have been issues with this bankruptcy plan getting approved, and it's been it has been appealed twice, and it just recently, on, on August 10th, got appealed to the Supreme Court. So what that means is that this bankruptcy pot of money um, is not, we don't know when they're going to start making payments out of that. So it still hasn't even started making, of this no, no, it hasn't even started. Um, and, but the issue is, and, and, and so this kind of, kind of goes to that also, is that the, the issue is that um, the bankruptcy trustee is, has appealed it um, on the basis that um, nothing happened to this. Well, on one of the, one of the issues is that nothing happened to the Sacklers, and that maybe there should be more money. Yeah. So, so perhaps by it getting appealed, ultimately there will be more in this pot. Um, perhaps not. Uh, it may still get approved and move forward. But as far as anybody getting paid, you know, they were thinking it might be yeah. quicker because it was in bankruptcy back in 2019, and um, it's uh, we have no idea when people will start getting payouts at this point. So nothing, nothing has really happened to Sackler family other than being fined some money and having three billion uh, come out of their purse change, which is a lot of money, but they still got eleven sitting on the sidelines. Well, yeah, I mean, and then, of course, they don't look too good. And then one of the issues is that they had their names all over universities and art galleries and oh, lots yeah. of places are pulling their name off because they don't want to be associated. They, they donated all kinds of money, no. um, you know, and so so the Sackler name is coming off of a lot of things. Well, but ultimately, he's, you know, I mean, he was really the whole kingpin of this thing. Yeah. And, you know, he's... Um, I mean, disgraced, yes. Hated, yes. Um, but well, it's good. Like shows like this, I think, are always really good too because it brings more attention to these issues and to these individuals that I think kind of fall off in the background. And sometimes it results in more active stuff happening. Like I know with the big show that blew up a few years back, How to Make a Murderer with Stephen Avery, where essentially it was an entire Netflix documentary about how he was wrong, wrongly oh, right. accused and, and incriminated. And then uh, there's just a lot of like sus stuff about the case overall. When that Netflix documentary blew up, then a lot of lawyers came and offered to do a pro bono. And right. like, and the case opened back up and a lot of work, additional work got uh, done on that case specifically because of the spotlight that that show brought to it. And so I'm hoping something like that happens now, especially with a Netflix uh, episode or, or series on it, as well as the Dope Sick one. Right. Well, and I think it's it's, it's always helpful to me too when these kind out because, you know, when I talk to people about what I do and some of the cases that I've handled over the years, people are always like, and sometimes they're just very skeptical and they're like, oh, a drug company wouldn't do that. And, you know, they're in the business to save people, yeah. and blah, blah, blah. And, and then some of the stories that I would tell them about, you know, where these studies were lost or changed or deleted and, you know, lying to the FDA and, 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 and these documents where they admit that they know people are dying and they don't care. And they're like, oh, they're, they're very skeptical. And then something like this comes out. And they're like, wow, this, this stuff, this happens. really does happen. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I mean, unfortunately, it happens more than people realize. So I think, you know, just the fact that it's out there in the, in the public 
um, domain is is important, and you know, and so people can can be a little bit more skeptical. That's always yeah. <laughs> it's always safer. Be aware and, and ask those. Be aware. Questions. Don't be so trusting. Yeah. And yeah. Well, that's a great question. Um, we are coming to a close here. If anyone does have any other questions, feel free to comment wherever you're watching this: Facebook, TikTok, YouTube. Uh, I don't think you can comment on iTunes podcast or Spotify, but definitely throw us a follow and ask questions. And if it's something that you don't really want to post on social media, you can always email us at podcast at showeredlaw.com. Um, and we'll get to your questions. We love answering questions. And um, it's definitely a lot of different perspectives that we haven't thought of. And we get to kind of deep dive into it a little bit more as well. Um, is there any kind of uh, I don't know what the word is. Sneak peeks. Sneak peeks oh, yeah. Week. So um, our topic next week, as far as cases that we're handling, will be involving the Gardasil vaccine. And that is the vaccine for HPV or human papillomavirus, which yeah. is, yeah, which is like the, the venereal warts. So um, uh, we will be talking about that vaccine and give you some information so that you can decide whether or not you or you want your daughters to uh, be getting it. Well, that should be an interesting topic overall. I think the show went pretty well. A lot of solid information we got out there. Good question. And um, just a lot of, I think, kind of shocking stuff. I always think it's really interesting when we have shows where we go into some some big numbers, some big <laughs> problems, and some uh, just big stuff overall. Yeah. yeah. Well, we'll bring more big stuff next week. Yeah. All righty. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. We'll see you next week, Wednesday as well. And we hope all of you have a fantastic week and weekend and uh, have a good one. Prioritizing profits. Prioritizing profits. Prioritizing profits. Dangerous drug and product cases.